It's Fire Away Friday. Fire Away Friday. On Exploring the Word, this is your chance to ask us your Bible question at 888-589-8840. That's 888-589-8840. You can also email your question at word at AFR.net or visit Facebook.com slash Exploring the Word. Exploring the Word. It's Fire Away Friday on American Family Radio. Do you know why Bible questions and Bible answers are so important? Listen to Psalm 119, verses 89 and 90. Forever, O Lord, your word is settled in heaven. Your faithfulness endures to all generations. You establish the earth, and it abides. Yes, I want to just tell you, everything hinges upon what God has done, what God is doing, and what God will do, and his word is settled in heaven. This is Bert Harper along with Dr. Alex McFarlane, and it's our joy to be with you on Fireway Friday. That means if you call this number, you can ask your Bible question. That number, 888-589-8840, 888-589-8840. The lines are open we're ready to receive your call. Our crew is ready. Brent is ready. Robert's ready. Alex, are you ready? I believe I'm ready. <laughs> and hey, listen, I know next week is going to be uh, really busy. And everybody, I hope everybody's getting ready for Thanksgiving. And, and our prayer is that God will bless you richly. And I hope you'll get to do some things that'll bring you close to family and loved ones. And I hope you'll be thinking about the goodness of God. And Bert, um, I was working on my weekend show. You know, I do a weekend show on AFR, uh, and I was researching Thanksgiving. And, of course, the Word of God tells us to give thanks in all things. And I was just amazed. I, I came across so many studies, medical studies, Harvard Medical School and others, about how healthy and beneficial it is to be grateful. And, uh, hey, as we get into today's questions on Fire Away Friday, Bert, and we look towards Thanksgiving, what are you grateful for, Bert Harper? Well, our first thing is the salvation that God gave me. It is his that he gave me. I didn't earn it, and I didn't deserve it, but he gave me. When I saved as a 12-year-old boy, my whole life changed. Secondly, I am thankful for my wife, Jan. Uh, listen, if without her... Uh, I, there's no telling where I would be, and uh, then I'm thankful for the rest of my family. I really am. Amen. There's Amen. so much to be thankful for, but the top is Jesus and Jan. That's two J's right there. I need a third J, don't I, Alex? Amen. <laughs> Amen. Hey, How about you? Gonna... How about you? Oh uh, Well, like you, I mean, first and foremost, above everything else is the, the Lord Jesus Christ and salvation and that he would uh, save my soul and wash my sin away. I mean, that's everything. And then, of course, Angie, who invited me to the Monday night Bible study at age 21, whereby I got under conviction and got saved, and we've been married now 33 years. Uh, my family, my loved ones, my sister Caroline, and Bert, I want to tell you, I have two of the greatest brother-in-laws, Angie's brother Todd, who I'm very close to, and then my sister's husband, David Stainback, they, Caroline and David, they've been married 
going on 40 years. They live in Roanoke, Virginia. And I told I told my brother-in-law, David, I, we were at the 4th of July, had a big thing. I said, I just want to thank you. You have looked after my sister and provided for her for all these years, and he's a very godly man. So, I, Bert, I could go on and on, but I'm thankful for my family. I really am. Amen, Alex. Well, I'm a, the youngest of nine. Now, you know, uh, I I had two sisters that had children that were older than me. I was born an uncle, and uh, I still have my sister Jane, my sister Joanne, and my brother Dwayne. They're still living, and Jane listens every day. She's probably listening right now, and uh, I, I just, you know, family. I, Alex, you oh, said yeah. it, not just the one that God's given me, but the family that I came from, I had a godly mother and dad, not perfect, but I'm telling you, uh, I thank God for them. So if, if you, if you, Hey, let me remind everybody. So, well, I didn't have all that. I didn't marry right. I didn't get right. Listen to what my friend who's now in heaven, uh, Bill Stafford said, he said, you need to understand everything above hell is grace Amen. and you need to understand you better be thankful you're still living, so get right with God and do it now. That was great Amen. advice. I still I believe he was right, Alex. You know what? Um, I, I won't belabor the point because we're going to go to calls and we're getting a full call board, but um, prepping for my show next week, my pre-recorded AFR show, just to, they said, if you once a week write down two or three things you're thankful for, it will change your whole outlook. And uh, anyway, it's always right to give God the praise, isn't it? It is. Let's do. It. Let's let's start off with prayer then. All right. Let me, Father. I thank you for American Family Radio. I thank Amen. you for Don Wildman, who yeah. the in the vision you gave him years ago to to start the the ministry of American Family Association. Then years later, American Family Radio. And Alex and I are privileged to be a part of this lineup that you've given to us, and I pray would be faithful to to share your word, Father. Uh, and may we just give you glory and honor. Help us to give you thanks for everything that you have brought into our lives. And, Father, we know, according to your word, that you will take everything and you will work it for good for the glory of God, Father. And that glory is that we would become more and more like Jesus as we live. Father, mm. bless this hour in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, with that, we're going to go to Texas, the great state of Texas, where we'll speak with Jean. Jean, welcome to the program. Thank you. I just wanted to say I love you guys with the love of the Lord. And Amen. my question today is... <clears throat> Why do Bible teachers say in Revelations, between Revelations 3 and 4, that's when the Bride of Christ goes to meet the Lord? Can you explain that? Okay, let me mm -hmm. make a statement, Alex, and you do the explanation, okay? You find the church mentioned, matter of fact, the seven churches of Asia here and all the way through chapter 3. Notice how it ends in verse 22, Gene of chapter 3. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. After that, churches are not even mentioned, Alex. Yeah. Um, great, great question, Gene. Yeah, Revelation 3.22, because you remember there, um, in Revelation 2 and 3, there are the messages to the seven churches of Asia Minor. 
uh, Pergamos and, and Smyrna and such. And it says, hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Then, Revelation 4.1, it says, After these things, I heard a voice say, Come up hither. And from Revelation 4 to 20, as we read about the uh, frightening events of the tribulation, the church isn't mentioned. Now, there are some people that believe and are martyred, but um, it's a little speculative, I'll grant you, but it, it does seem like the closing of chapter 3 and the messages to the churches, which, by the way, Bert, the seven churches of Asia Minor, in one way or another, they're kind of pictorial of almost any church problem, aren't they? They are. You know? So it seems like that Revelation 4 through 20 is all about the tribulation, and the church is not present, and the come up hither, come up here, of Revelation 4.1 seems very much like a rapture-type scenario whereby, you know, the church presumably is taken out of the way for the, the, the time of Jacob's trouble, which is being poured out on earth. But um, as I go to Carleton in Texas, folks, Bert and I did a, a rather exhaustive study of Daniel and Revelation on Bible prophecy. It's called Behold the Lamb. And if you go to uh, the AFA store, you'll find that, resources.afa.net. But uh, Carlton in Texas, welcome. Carlton? Hey. Yeah, you're on. You there? Yes. Yeah, that's not Carlton from Texas. It's Carlton from Tennessee. Well, praise the Lord. Okay. Oh, well, I got to um, ask, yeah, since, you- since we missed that, what part of Tennessee are you from, Carlton? Oh, you know, Alex knows, don't you? Paris, Tennessee. (laughs) And let me tell you. Yeah, look at you. Listen, we're going to be April 21 through 23. We're going to be doing a Truth for a New Generation, one of our national conferences. Absolutely. And uh, listen, it's confirmed. Will and Mickey Addison confirmed. Abe Hamilton will be there. Uh, Bert, you and I have talked about it. I hope you can be there. Bert Harper, I'm pretty sure, is going to be there. I got it on my calendar, and I took it out of pencil and put it on pen. So I Amen. think I'm there. Yes. Right. But I'm let me say, I'm excited. It's a- and I want to hear your question, Brother Carlton. But, folks, Tennessee Valley Community Church is one of the fastest growing churches in America. Steve Gallimore, Carlton Gerald. Brother, God is using you all in such a mighty, mighty way, and I just, I, we're proud to hear from you, brother. Yeah, I'm just excited. I fire away Friday. I had a great question, brother, that I've been pondering all week. I hate to say struggling, but I've been pondering all week that uh, in the Word, we hear the word believe, that, you know, it says believe in your heart, confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, but then we talk about the demons believe. They know what's going to happen. And my question is, is how can we encourage people what the difference is? Carlton, thank you. I am looking forward to meeting you. And I know some folks up in Paris. I'm looking forward to being there as well. Let me just share this. When you read the book of James, and this is where you find this, you'll find the book of James talks about the demons believe and they even tremble. They even have an emotional response, but there's no change. The real belief of the heart of the believer, the Bible talks about it in Corinthians. If a man 
is in Christ. He is a new creation. And so, Alex, uh, it has to do with uh, the emotion may be there on both of them, but the one that is real is the one that leads to change. Yeah. Carlton, great question. And folks, like James 2, verse 19, says that Satan and the demons are aware that God exists. But then you read, you know, John 3, 16, whosoever believes in Jesus will not perish. And Acts 16, 31, what must I do to be saved? Believe on the name of the Lord Jesus. Well, acknowledgement of a, of a fact is not the same thing as a personal encounter. And, and you might say in your heart, well, I believe that God exists. Well, good. But salvation is more than that. It's more than a mental ascent. It's a personal encounter where you open your heart and you say, Dear Lord Jesus, wash me clean, save my soul, come into my life. Bert, that kind of saving faith, that's a relationship, isn't it? It is a relationship, and it changes everything. And all of a sudden, you're no longer in the in darkness, you're in light. Hey, we're going to come back and take more questions right after this break. If you are 65 or older, you know this. Watching your hard-earned dollars fly out the window on health care costs is frustrating. Well, here's something that can really help, and it's worth taking a minute to look into. MediShare 65 Plus. MediShare is a community of Christians who share each other's health care bills And it really is a community, too. People encourage and pray for each other. Well, MediShare 65 Plus is a low-cost option for those with Medicare Parts A and B, and it fills in the gaps where Medicare stops. It's a great way to fight inflation, too. You can lock in one low monthly price for up to 10 years. And it's easy. You can use any Medicare-approved doctor or get 24-7 telehealth access from the comfort of your home. Very worth looking into during Medicare open enrollment, which ends December 7th. If you join right now, your second month share will be free. So don't miss this chance. Call 833-45-BIBLE. That's 833-45-BIBLE. 833-45-BIBLE. Dr. Tony Evans says the raw materials of language can teach us something important about the raw materials of life. He'll share that insight with us today as we spend two minutes with Tony. When you went to preschool or elementary school, the first thing that the teachers wanted to instruct you on was the alphabet. Because the foundation of knowledge is based on words. Words are dependent on letters. When people want to cite the completeness of a thought, they will say from A to Z. If A to Z is the completeness of communication, understanding, and knowledge for all of your life, from the time you get up in the morning till the time you go to bed at night, You are banking on the fact that those letters are not changing on you. What the ABCs are to us in the English language, Alpha and Omega is in the Greek language. Alpha is the first letter of the Greek alphabet. Omega is the last letter of the Greek alphabet. When Jesus says, I am the Alpha and Omega, He is declaring that he himself is the complete knowledge base for all of life. 
Learn more about how the Lord defines Himself through the various ways He's described in Scripture. Check out Tony's book, The Power of Jesus' Names, available online at TonyEvans.org. And be sure to join us next time for Two Minutes with Tony. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. Jeremiah 29, 13. American Family Radio. We've all searched for the light of day in the dead of night. We've all found ourselves worn out from the same old fire. We've all run to things we know just ain't right. And there's a better life. There's a better life. The telephone number toll free nationwide is 888 888-589-8840. We would love to have your Bible question. Bert Harper and Alex McFarland here will do our best to give you an answer to your Bible questions. And uh, right now we're going to go to Andrew in Alabama. Andrew, you know that's a Bible name. Andrew, welcome. Oh, are you talking to me? Yeah, yeah. Welcome to the show. <laughs> uh, yeah, so real quick. Uh I'm really grateful for all that y'all do on, on the radio. I listen to y'all all the time. I uh, look forward to meeting y'all one day, if y'all ever come down here to Mobile, Alabama. You know what? I, I got to preach in Mobile a few years ago, and I would love to come back. That's a lot of beauty in that city down there on the water. And so uh, churches in Mobile, send us an email, word at net, and let's see about Bert and Alex coming to Mobile. But... Uh, Andrew, what you got today, brother? Okay, so I know that it's definitely possible for those who uh, struggle with homosexuality to be saved out of that. But is it possible for those that live in a homosexual lifestyle to also be saved, to be true believers? Andrew, thank you for that call. What a question for our day in 2022. Let me just share with you. Homosexuality is a sin that is, adultery is a sin. It's in the sin category. Now, everybody says, why do y'all treat homosexual like it is worse than? Uh, Let me just, and I'm going to tread on dangerous ground right here, guys, and y'all bear with me. I won't take long. If you look at the book of Romans and you see how it starts out and starting from a person who is unthankful and leading all the way to the last part of chapter 1 to a reprobate mind, you'll see that they get further and further away from God. What makes homosexuality such an issue of sin is the unnaturalness. It is, and that's what the Bible talks it in the book of Romans. Is it possible for them that struggle with homosexuality to be saved? I know some people. I've helped some people. And their desire is to come out of it and be pure and live godly lives. For someone to remain in a homosexual homosexual lifestyle and and just say and start justifying it, they are not right with God. I it's hard for me to believe that the conviction of God hasn't gotten to them to the point where they would know it was wrong. So, Alex, I, I, I believe the Bible really warns us to get someone justifying their sin and still be saved. 
Yeah, I agree. And uh, I completely agree with everything Bert said, because, look, folks, marriage is a picture of, of Christ and the church, and the family is really a picture of the gospel. And Bert and I have taught on this extensively. Bert, I think one of the reasons that Satan has done his utmost to attack the family is because uh, husband, wife, children, family, marriage, it is a picture of the gospel. But here's the thing, and I want to say this very clearly. We all have, according to Hebrews 12, 1 and 2, things that, that tempt us or besetting sins. It's not a sin to feel temptation. The sin comes when you give in to that. And and I'm just going to say this. You can fight sin or you can feed sin. You know? Uh, You can be tempted to sin or you can participate in sin. And a truly born-again Christian, I'm not saying you won't feel temptation, but I've, I've counseled men that have had to, with God's help, break addictions and whether it be uh, alcoholism or a lot of things. But a born-again Christian in whom the Spirit of God dwells will agree with what the Bible says. And Bert, this is, and I know we need to move on, but those, and, and look, I have people that they'll email me or call and they want to really take me to task over this, and they'll say things have changed and, you know, we just need to deal with this and be okay with it. What you're saying is, okay, the Word of God is wrong then. And we know that's impossible. The Word of God cannot be wrong. And God so vehemently condemns sex outside of marriage and all homosexual activity because uh, I just believe the good Lord knows right from wrong and the good Lord knows what's best for us. And Bert, um, we are in no position to correct the Bible, are we? We are not. What you just said, they said things have changed. We can say, yes, they have, but God has not. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. What he said in the past is real today as what he said is real today, and we need to receive it. I started off with that scripture in Psalm 119. God's word is settled in heaven. It has been established, and we need to take that as our guide. Uh, Thank you, Andrew, for your good call. All right, uh, Paul. Paul in Texas. Welcome to Exploring the Word. Hey, Bert, Alex, uh, really enjoy the show. Uh, I got a question I heard the other day that it just kind of threw me, and I never heard it before, and thought, wondered if you guys ever heard it, and that was the widow's son that Elijah brought back to life was Jonah. Have you ever heard that? <laughs> uh, I. Off the top of my head, I don't ever remember that, Alex, and I'm trying to run through scriptures and uh, connecting that, and I'm I'm coming, I don't connect that, can you? No, you know, I've heard preachers preach, you know, comparisons, because, you know, um, Jonah is a prophet, and he foretold the, the will of God that the people of Nineveh would repent and everything like that. And at one point, they each struggled with their calling. So I've heard, you know, compare and contrast. But, but let me just say that, to my knowledge, there's nothing in the Word of God that would indicate to us that the widow's son was actually Jonah. Bert, now that might be—and and there is a lot of Jewish history— um, you know, midrash and commentary on the, um, the the Torah and the Old Testament, but 
Bert, I would have to say that that might be historical legend or speculation. I mean, it could be true, but the Bible doesn't indicate. And I'm, I'm just, I think we have to be careful about drawing conclusions that are not directly verified by Scripture. Uh, and and don't don't everything that you hear uh, may not be true. And somebody said, "Well, I read it on the internet." Well, okay, that's 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 a no. warning, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, that's true. Well, you know what? Today is interesting. We have we've had uh, Andrew and Matthew Bible names today. Do I have your name correct? Is it Gamaliel? In it North is Carolina? Gamaliel. Gamaliel. Well, now that too is a Bible name. Sure Welcome to the program. Paul said, "Under his feet, did he not?" Yeah. Okay. Go yes, ahead. Sir. Yeah. Go ahead, brother. First of all, I want to thank God for what you guys do. You guys um, better equip me dealing with everyday uh, life. And uh, here's my question. When it comes to free will, why is it so important for God to allow it like that? Okay. I'd love to give a short answer, Gamay. Sometimes my answers are no or yes, and I know that mine is kind of too short sometimes. But let me share this. God says we're going to stand before him without excuse you you understand without excuse no excuse the greatest excuse in the world would be god didn't choose me god did not choose me that's an man i you know so every it's so important that we stand before god without an excuse so we must have the capacity some way to make a choice alex go ahead well you know isaiah seven fifteen which I believe is speaking of Jesus that would be born. And it, it references free will because it says before he knows to choose, to reject the evil and choose the good. And the concept of uh, accountability and knowledge to reject evil and choose good, that's free will. Now, you, you may have heard different words like uh, volition, V-O-L-I-T-I-O-N, and, and you'll hear people say, so-and-so made a volitional choice. Bert, I believe the Lord gave us free will because to legitimately have a relationship, there has to be choice involved. Now, I know that there are some people that uh, are what are called determinists, and determinism, Albert Einstein was a determinist, and he, he didn't believe, unless he changed before he died, Albert Einstein, while he did believe there had to be some sort of higher power or God, he didn't believe in free will, uh, very deterministic. Um, let me say, biblically, it is not a deterministic universe in the sense that humans can't make moral choices. Now, we know God's sovereign will will prevail. And, you know, God is so powerful and wise that, you know, the Egyptians enslaved the Hebrews, and yet God raised up Moses and deliverance came. And Herod wanted to kill the babies two years and younger, and yet Jesus was spared. So Satan, nor a fallen world, will ever derail God's will. But yet on an individual level, yes, we have free will. And I want to say to everybody listening, Jesus Christ loves you, and Jesus is knocking at the door of your heart even now. And God will do everything to try to draw you to himself, but there is one thing God won't do. He will not override your free will. He will not make you believe in him. 
He'll he'll call and woo and draw you. But Bert, I think we have free will because otherwise it really wouldn't be a legitimate relationship, would it? It is. You, how can you love someone without choosing to love them? Uh, some of the greatest psychologists wrote, "Love is a choice." And you remember Amen. what it says: "Husbands love your wives." It did not say try to love your wives. It did not say I hope you love your wives. No, it says husbands love your wives, and that is a deliberate will of their choice. The same thing goes. If we have that relationship with God, yes, he initiates it. Yes, it begins with him, but we respond to him. And like Alex said, I pray that anyone that does not have that relationship would respond to him right now. And there's a number you can call if you need to talk to someone, Triple Eight need him triple eight need him they'll pray with you they'll help you come to christ don't delay do it now amen amen a beautiful place called kansas mike in kansas welcome to the program thank you uh just uh referring back to a previous caller uh when he was talking about even angels believe uh my thought is and and i'll just present this out to you and then I'll let you guys discuss it and I'll, I'll listen on air but um, one of my favorite scriptures is the Doubting Thomas scripture when Jesus told Thomas he says Thomas you believe because you have seen but blessed are those who have not seen but yet believe the angels got to see firsthand got in the heavens you know before they were booted out and so I look at our belief as being far different than the angels' belief. Oh, yeah. Um, hey, let me throw something in here, Mike. Forgive me for jumping in, but um, Satan has a really good doctrinal statement. Now think about it. If you ask the devil, hey, are you aware that God exists? Even Satan could say, oh, yes, I'm aware of that. Did you know Jesus was born of a virgin? Jesus rose from the dead. Are you aware Jesus is coming back? Even Satan could say, I'm aware of that. So Satan and the demons, I'm commenting on James 2.19 here, they are aware that God exists. And Bert, I think probably, and different scholars like Dr. Harold Wilmington and others have said, you know, Satan, uh, intimately familiar with Scripture, probably knows the last chapters of Revelation where he's thrown in the lake of fire. So they believe in the sense that they are aware of the reality of God and his power. But we are called to something even deeper than that. We're called to believe in Jesus, in other words, to trust him. And Bert, a fact in your head is something different than a a relationship in your soul, your heart, isn't it? And you've got to distinguish between that. There's a trust factor, faith. Uh, By grace are you saved through faith. Faith activates the grace of God, and that faith, the best way is we trust him explicitly, completely. He is the one, and uh, not our own being, not our, and so the demons do not and did not do that. They did not have it. They had that head knowledge. They knew the resurrection was real, but they never came to the place of putting their faith in Christ. Well, tell you, maybe we can get Kyle on. How about Garrett? Uh, Garrett, are you there? Yes, I'm here. Yes, welcome, Garrett. Thank you. I got a question for you. It's uh, regarding the Apostles' Creed. 
there's a part that refers to Jesus descending into hell after he dies on the cross. Can you bring some clarity to that and support it in Scripture? Okay. Thank mm-hmm. you. Haven't got a lot of time. Alex, try to answer that in a minute. Yeah, thanks. And and by the way, folks, I would encourage you to read the Apostles' Creed. It's an ancient statement of belief. It, it really means the realm of the dead, the grave. Um, and I want to be clear, to atone for our sins, Jesus did not, quote, burn in hell. The payment of our sin, the atonement, was achieved on the cross. Jesus hung on the cross, suffered the wrath of God for our guilt was poured onto Jesus. But what the Apostles' Creed, which is at least... 17, 1800 years old, he descended into hell. It really means Sheol, the realm of the dead, Bert. Would you agree? I agree fully. And when you read about the rich man and Lazarus, you'll see there's two parts in it. And Jesus went to that part without suffering, and he preached to them. Listen, we'll come back with more questions right after the break. AFR programming is now available on Alexa. You're joking, right? Nope, not joking. Seriously? Yep, this is not a drill. Wait a minute, no way. There's a way, the Alexa way. So if you just happen to miss your favorite shows, no worries. You can now listen to each podcast with Alexa. It's simple and it's free. Just visit AFR.net forward slash apps and click Alexa. We're not joking. Take that love and be a distributor. Take that love and love others. Every time you think, I don't know if I can love that person, stop for a moment and remember how much God loves you. Join Dr. David Jeremiah for his series, A Life Beyond Amazing, next time on Turning Point. 5.30 a.m. and 7 p.m. Central on American Family Radio. In churches, and a lot of churches today, the issue of identity is sort of like the big elephant in the room. It's in the news, but it's not in the church. So if it's in society, it needs to be something the churches are addressing. In His Image, delighting in God's plan for gender and sexuality, is now available for church screenings and events. Every person in America needs to see this. And all pastors need to show this to the church, get the people informed. If the church and Jesus isn't the answer, where is the world going? We want the message of the film to touch as many hearts and lives as possible, and we'd love to join with you to bring the film to your community. So let's say you have a small group or your church, or we've even been bringing the film into some prisons. We want to partner with you. So what we'll do is we'll send you a special kit, and it's completely free, and it'll just have some extra resources to help you promote your event. To find out more about how to host an event, go to inhisimage.movie and click on the Host an Event tab. That's inhisimage.movie. Therefore, do not throw away your confidence, which has a great reward. My name is Abraham Hamilton III, and this is the Hamilton Minute. Sometimes there's a delay between crying out to God in prayer and seeing those prayers answered. It is imperative for us in those times that we don't waver in our confidence in our God. The next verse goes on to say, For you have need of endurance, so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what is promised. You see, the delay between supplication and delivered answer is one of the ways God develops endurance in us. He desires that the roots of our faith grow down deep, that we become trees planted by rivers of living water, steadfast, immovable, always abounding in his work. In this, we grow beyond superficial Christianity. 
Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for The Hamilton Corner with Abraham Hamilton III, public policy analyst for the American Family Association. Welcome back to Exploring the Word on American Family Radio. Welcome back to Exploring the Word. It is Fire Away Friday where we take your Bible questions, and we've gotten several, and we've got several more waiting to ask their questions. Alex, where do we go next? Well, how about we go to Texas, and we'll speak with Jerry. Jerry in Texas, welcome to American Family Radio. Hey, brother. Hey, Bert. I've called a few times. I've answered a couple questions. I had a sixth-grade Sunday school student ask me, Sunday, why are angels all male in the Bible? And and I told him I would research that and get back to him, and I've looked at a couple of things and read a few things, but other than just that's what they are in the Bible, and we understand that, you know, that, that that's what God is, uh, I don't really have anything other than that to kind of give him evidence or proof of. Well, we know the three archangels, Lucifer was one, I believe, before he was thrown out of heaven. And then Michael and Gabriel are definitely male. Um, we, you know, they're called warriors. Alex, there's different things. Is it always in the masculine? I'm trying to remember. Well, you know, the interesting thing that, yes, the noun is always in the masculine That's what I was gender. And, you know, you got Gabriel and Michael and Lucifer that, that are named. And the angels that always appear, you know, when angels appeared... At, at Lot's house in Sodom and tried to warn him. They were male. And the angel of the Lord is always, you know, says his clothes were like lightning, white as snow, Matthew 28. Uh, now, on the one hand, Jesus says, you know, um, when they, they're trying to trick Jesus and they say, well, in the resurrection, whose wife will this woman be? And he says, you do err. Uh, in heaven, people are neither married nor given in marriage, but are like the angels. Um, now, so it seems to indicate that maybe in heaven, angels are like genderless. And I want to be very careful about what I'm about to say. The only place in the Bible where angels, if they are angels, are ever depicted as female, in Zechariah 5, Bert, do you remember this passage? There's two women with wings that take away this basket full of iniquity. Zechariah's having a vision. And I want to be, be, be very careful because, listen to this, the progressive woke people will take something like this and run with it. Because, you see, God made human beings male and female. There are only two genders, male and female. And the way that conservative Bible-believing scholars understand gender is men and women are complementary. They're equal in worth, but distinct in function. Equal in terms of creation, personhood, but there is a philosophy that's being like beaten over the head right now of people, and that is the philosophy called egalitarianism, that there is no such thing as men or women, and, and that's wrong. We reject that. So I hesitate to even bring up the Zechariah 5 passage where these women with wings, does that mean they're 
is an angelic appearance and they were in the female gender. I'm not so sure because, but it, it looks up, uh, Zechariah 5.10, it says there were two women with wind in their wings. They had wings like a stork, and they took this basket between heaven and earth, the basket basket of the iniquity of Babylon. Bert, I, I don't know, commentators are not settled on whether those were female angels or not, but I think the reason that, I mean, bottom line, I think angels are probably genderless, but when they appeared, they were in a male form because uh, males, you know, the word angel means messenger, really. Um, in that culture, people listened to men. You know, Bert, I mean, angels had a job to do, and and to give a definitive word and have the attention of people, um, I think that it was purposeful. But if, you know, we look at Michael and Gabriel, they definitely were male. Yeah. So, anyway. I, I'll agree. They all, I was trying to remember Billy Graham's book. He wrote about angels. You know, Alex. God's secret agents. Weren't some of those stories about, you know, the people that appeared and it seemed angels and they, they would have the form of female. Seems like I'm trying to remember. It's been a long time since I read that. But I agree with you, the genderless, but they're always presented angelos, Greek word, even in the Hebrew, it's 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 uh you know, it is that of not feminine but masculine form. That's and, right. And the so, noun is always masculine. Yeah. But you know, in our history we would use that when I was in English, you'd use man and it could be referring to mankind, you exactly. know, in a way. So there's no definite answer on that, but I think you're right on the genderless part in heaven. And, and by the way, and we're going to go to Janice in Mississippi. Um, Bert mentioned this book by Billy Graham. And folks, if I could give you a little homework assignment, two books that you really ought to have in your library, and, and I wouldn't recommend this except I really believe it. Billy Graham wrote this book called Angels, God's Secret Agents. Great book on angels. And then he wrote another book called Approaching Hoofbeats. Oh, yes. And it was a book on eschatology. And maybe you can find those books, but uh, you will not be disappointed. Uh, Either one uh, of them. Either one the of them. The late, great Billy Graham, he hit a home run on both of those books. Yeah. We lost uh, Janice for some reason, so I don't know, uh, you know. Yeah, call back, Janice, if you Please can. Do. But Please do. I do yeah. think we have Joan from Mississippi. Yes. Go ahead, Joan. Thank you. Um, my mother confessed to me that she committed adultery. Now, I know that she's uh, sorry for that. Uh, I, my question is that um, she told me that she's going to be judged because of that and feels that she's going to be going to hell because of that. And I'd like to know that that um, will she... Um, not go to hell, or will she? Listen, Joan, adultery is a a sin, and it was wrong. She's confessed it to you. Did she say if she had confessed it to the Lord Jesus and asked his forgiveness? Do you know that, Joan? Did, Did she not tell me that. I okay. do not know that. Okay. Well, listen, uh, if she knows Jesus Christ is her Savior, uh, committing adultery, that is an event. Just like we were talking about homosexuality 
uh, and staying in it. Uh, you know, Alex, there is that that we sin, but forgiveness is real for the believer, isn't it? It really is. And Joan, uh, and I want to pray right now, but Joan, please sit down and just have a, a very uh, gentle heart-to-heart talk with her. And here, here's the thing. 1 John 1, nine says, if we confess our sin, he, Jesus, is faithful and just to forgive our sins, and he will cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And no, she is not destined to go to hell if she'll just simply say, Lord Jesus, please forgive me. Um, we all sin, and, and in, in no way am I minimizing adultery. I mean, that's a, a grave sin, but the, the Lord has promised God has promised if we simply say, Jesus, I am sorry, please forgive me. So I want to encourage you. Joan, do you feel like, can can you talk to your mom about spiritual things like this? Um, not anymore. Yeah. Okay. Well, is there somebody that she would listen to that could share with her? And um, Bert, I want you to pray. And, and folks, let's agree together in prayer for Joan's mom that she would... Uh, she would desire Jesus and that she would know the Lord. Bert, would you just pray that that would happen? Father, in your name we come to you. I thank you for Joan calling today. Alex and I are humbled by the individuals that call and ask us such intimate, difficult questions concerning their lives and their situations. For Joan's mom right now, in the name of Jesus, we ask that you would would speak to her heart, if not saved, Father, that you would draw her to herself. I pray that that sin of adultery that she confessed to Joan would would be that which would cause her, oh, I don't only need Joan's forgiveness, I need your forgiveness, God. And I pray she would call upon you, trust you, ask you to forgive her, repent and trust you if she has not. Father, if she has, I pray you would bring that scripture that Alex said, 1 John 1, 9, that if we confess our sins, that he, God, you are faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us. What a joy. And Father, I pray she would live in that forgiveness. Help Joan and just be with her to have, it's difficult to have those questions about loved ones, Father. So I pray that you'll bring some peace to Joan as well. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Joan, we're praying. We are certainly praying. Colleen in Mississippi. Colleen, thanks for holding. Welcome to Exploring the Word. Hi. Um, I have a question about, it's in Hebrews. I'm not exactly sure which chapter, but it um, it talks about two immutable things and in which God is not able to lie about and i was wondering if that's the word of god and the the name of jesus or if if it's something else okay yeah go ahead ahead. this is in hebrews 6 isn't it i believe i was looking for it and i was trying to find it you you do that well 18 okay that's it yeah uh god confirmed his his oath or his covenant uh with abraham uh i believe it was by confirmed with abraham by two immutable things. You know, uh, I would say, just off the top of my head, his, his word and his nature, n- neither of which change, and under his nature and his word, 
both are really um, summarized in Jesus. You Alex, know? with that, I think you're right on. Listen to these, this, this rest of verse 18, that by two immutable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, okay? Mm-hmm. That is who he is, his character and his word. God does never go against his character. It's immutable. His word is settled in heaven. It is settled. So I I think that may be them for us when you look at this passage in context, Alex. Yeah, and, and that's—let me just say this, folks. And by the way, Colleen, yeah, the two immutable things. Okay, God's nature and God's essence doesn't change. God is eternal, and that's why Hebrews 13 can say, Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And God's Word never changes. In fact, Psalm 138, too, one of my favorite verses. All right, now listen to this, folks. On the question of, is homosexuality still a sin? Uh, and many other things we could bring up, too. Psalm 138, verse 2, God says, My word have I exalted above my name. See, this is, <laughs> should should we be friends with Israel? Yes, because Genesis 12 still is in effect, that God will bless those who are a friend of Abraham. You see what I'm saying? So what is immutable? The nature of God and the word of God, the promises of God. And in Jesus, the incarnation, you've got both of those personified. He is the Logos, the Word of God. And so that's why Jesus was the Savior. Jesus still is the Savior. And the Word of God is most certainly, absolutely still in effect. Tony in Mississippi. Tony, thank you for holding. Welcome to Exploring the Word, Tony. Okay, thanks for taking my call. I'm a first-time caller, and I have two quick questions. One is, if only Eve had eaten the forbidden fruit and Adam had said no, what would happen to the old creation issue? And number two, uh, when Cain killed his brother Abel and was thrown out of the Garden of Eden, he went to a nearby city and found a wife. So there was creation outside of the Garden of Eden. Who were those people, and how did they fit into creation in the Garden? I'll hang up and have you answer. Thank you. Hey, Tony, uh, let me say one thing, Bert. I want to throw it to you. Tony, by the way, thanks for calling. What if Eve only had, had eaten the fruit and not Adam? These kind of questions are fun, I'll grant you. But that's what's called a counterfactual. Uh, I don't say we can completely know, but... It wasn't just Eve, Adam and Eve, and this does speak to the union of husband and wife, that um, Adam was absolutely complicit as well, but the fall of Genesis 3 happened, and we are culpable. See, that's why we need a Savior. We've done sinful deeds, yes, but we inherited the guilt of Adam and Eve because they were as one in the action that they did, weren't they, Bert? They were, and uh, Tony, I again, I'm reminding you of a scripture because, hey, I think of those things, but the Bible says on those things to avoid them. Second Timothy two twenty three, avoid these kind of questions, knowing that they gender strife. Uh, in other words, th- th- there is no answer for that. Uh, for his Cain, uh, we don't know exactly how many years it was before he killed Abel, but he was a grown man and there were others and i know it said city 
But again, we're looking at a civilization outside of that. We don't know how. When we think of a city down here in Mississippi, if you have 500 people, man, that's a city. <laughs> but yeah. you know what I mean, Alex? Well, and, and let me say this. Um, Cain married one of his sisters. I mean, really, because it says that Adam and Eve had other sons and daughters. And, you know, Adam lived, Bert, didn't Adam live over 900 yes, years? Yes, he did, yes. And, and so, undoubtedly, uh, there wasn't a separate group of humans uh, different from the progeny of Adam and Eve. Um, Cain married a sibling, a distant sibling. Sean, I so apologize. We can't get and the other people that we're holding. But, Bert, it's been a great day on Exploring the Word, and we give God the glory, don't it we? It does. It's been a great week in the Gospel of John. I, Alex, uh, I, I, every time I read or study John, my, my spirits grow. And uh, hearing the people call in and ask these Bible questions, we're praying for those. Uh, remember, Jessica asked for prayer earlier in the week for yes. her son, Justin. Keep praying for them, praying for Joan and her mom. So yes. we, we're a big Bible study class that studies the Bible and prays for one another, aren't we, Alex? We are. Folks, thanks for listening. Hey, be in church on Sunday. Take somebody under the sound of the gospel. Go to church. Pray for America. God bless you, and thank you for listening. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.